Good evening on India Decides at 9 o'clock. A sting operation by journalists of Cobra Post, an online newspaper, claims to have caught on camera officials of three of India's biggest private banks, ICICI, HDFC and Axis Bank, offering their journalists, who pose as a front for an imaginary politician, ways to make his black money into white. The so-called black money figure was up to 50 crores. On the tapes, Cobra Post showed conversations with various bank officials where they offered large lockers to stack crores, said the bank is here only for your black money and even offered to take black money in India and transfer it to accounts abroad. The banks reacted saying they are investigating these charges but maintained they conduct business with the highest level of compliance. No, uh, no uh, now income tax authorities have said they are investigating but our debate tonight asks why is black money still a black hole in India's economy? I mean, just, just please try to understand that these are cold calls. Where a reporter is going, that he's, he's giving this tall tale that uh, politician money is there and he wants to launder it and, and look at the different processes that you're getting on cold calls. Please try to understand the gravity of the matter. Take for instance this HDFC bank in South Delhi. When the reporter asks how to convert his black money, the employee gives an easy option. Bring in cash, deposit in an existing account of the bank, the bank officer issues demand drafts in the name of the person holding these bogus accounts. It's obvious that you cannot have this culture without the top management knowing about it. The reporter poses as a contact for a minister who wants to convert his black money into white but without giving away his name. He leads the bank on talking about 5 to 7 crores in cash inflow in the coming days. The bank manager offers an account that requires no PAN card. In fact, also gives the option of multiple accounts with smaller amounts, each opened with a different form of identification and which wouldn't be linked to each other. A clear violation of the Reserve Bank of India's Know Your Investment or KYI requirement. The splitting of money into different accounts is also a violation of the Prevention of Money Laundering Act. In this Axis Bank, the deputy manager takes pains to explain various ways taxes can be avoided. He offers the bank's max insurance scheme to turn black money to white in just a few years. Bank authorities, when faced with this thing, either denied or said they were conducting their own inquiries. HDFC assured its customers and stakeholders that it had a well-defined know-your-customer anti-money laundering policy. Axis Bank said it maintains high corporate governance standards. While ICICI has constituted a high-level inquiry committee which will submit its findings in two weeks. While income tax officials confirmed they were inquiring into revelations, the opposition slammed these bank practices. If this is 
जो वो जो चार्ज जो निकला है उसके बारे में पूरी इन्वेस्टिगेशन हो और इस तरीके के बैंकों को बंद करना चाहिए अगर भारत सरकार में इच्छा शक्ति होती तब तक बारह तेरह प्रकार की कार्रवाई हो सकती थी काले धन के खिलाफ नाउ द स्टिंग ऑपरेशन है प्रॉब्लम इज ह्यूज and in fact one doesn't have to look at swiss banks and other black money havens one only has to look at how the banking system encourages it in new delhi snetra chaudhry for ndtv so to sum up there uh, cobra post says in their sixth month investigation they captured they said officials from banks across india offering ways to convert black money into white Cobra post journalist posed as an imaginary politician, as a front for an imaginary politician, and said he needed to convert his boss's money into white. Joining me and why black money is still such a hole in India's economy, a black hole in India's economy. Well, two politicians, Rajiv Chandrasekhar, businessman, now MP, also a member of the Standing Committee on Finance, also with me, Nareesh Gujral of the Akali Dal, also part of the uh, Public Accounts Committee. Also with me tonight, I am joined by Mr. B M Singh. Now he's the man who should have many, many answers. Who is, of course, the former chairman of the Central Board of Direct Taxes. I'm also joined by Sunil Alag, uh, uh, consultant, marketing consultant, member of FICI. Also Abhay Aima, markets analyst. And joining me is Rudolf Elmana. He, of course, is the man who is the whistleblower, exposing many secret Swiss bank accounts and asking questions on why the Indian government wasn't serious on tracking down black money abroad. But what Cobra Post? His claims of exposing its sting is black money here in India. And Mr. Singh, let me go across to you first. Basically, Cobra Post claims to have on camera bank officials from across India offering various options. One bank official has said, "I will give you the largest locker so you can stock five to seven crores cash." Another bank uh, official says, "This bank is here for your black money." So, basically, converting black money into white. Given how much tax officials have been cracking down. how is it that this can happen so openly well uh, as far as giving lockers to stock your black money is not really laundering any bank uh, would give you a locker you don't have to tell them you have got black money and they will give you a locker if they have one available and uh, they will give you a large locker or a small locker according to availability and you can stack your no but in this uh, case the bank official knew yeah, that yeah, they, they, they wanted they to put this. money in now there is something really wrong in this but as you said it is not a psu bank it was a private bank private banks yes. uh, private banks are doing it and all they've got is they've got target set to get as much business as they can and they have to satisfy the bosses and they have to get the maximum business for the banks mm -hmm. and that is why they must be doing it but i think in such a case the rbi should crack the whip and they should be uh, held responsible or their uh, particular branch their license is suspended or whatever the rbi can do uh, it should be done but the question is this was done by a private uh, by an online newspaper why is this being done by tax officials it comes banks of course have come under the rbi but if this economic offenses like this it can also come under the cbi the department the dri yeah. why isn't this being cracked down on considering it seems to be an open secret that's how this journalist actually went into it it's not really an open secret it's the person who needs something to be done only he knows about it you know what you mean to say is that why are the tax officials going in there as mm -hmm. uh, bogus customers and asking for uh, what you call certain accommodation as far as converting the black into white is concerned but let me talk to you whether this would be a conversion of black into white or just a time to keep their money there till they can convert it because mm -hmm. just keeping their money whether they keep it in a particular locker or they keep it at home is a different matter 
whether it was a case of laundering is a different matter. If the bank is laundering the money, then it'd be a more serious offence. Well, uh, that is the claim. Let me go across uh, to Rudolf Elmer, who joins me uh, now. The claim that uh, Cobra Post has made that there were many various options that the banks actually offered, as I said, a front for an imaginary politician. So at no point did the bank official even meet the so-called <coughs> client. They offered options including using insurance schemes, using loopholes in insurance schemes, uh, opening accounts without a PAN card, uh, using a Form 60, also just of collecting money in India and depositing it into accounts abroad. You maintain that the Indian government hasn't been serious about tracking down black money of Indians abroad. Do you think this just reinforces that we're not even serious about tracking it down within India? Pamir, can you repeat the question, please? Uh, I just wanted to ask you, can this happen? Do you, this is happening on the government's watch, in a sense, under uh, RBI. Uh, RBI basically is meant to control compliance of banks. How could this happen without, say, top officials of banks being aware of it? Can this happen without top officials of banks knowing? I would say they were very well aware of it, and they do have the duty uh, to know your client, which basically also means that they need to know the source of the funds, the funds where the money comes from. So if the money comes from illegal sources, they must know because of the know your client uh, uh, regulations. And on top of it, I, I believe, and that's actually happening in, uh, in Germany already, that if there is any evidence about uh, tax evasion, that uh, house searches are performed in banks. For instance, Deutsche Bank had uh, two house, source, so has house searches in uh, mm -hmm. December 2012. That meant 500 investigators went into the bank and looked at the records uh, all over the all over Germany. Mm -hmm. The same thing happened to Credit Suisse Germany, uh, where also it was a huge sting investigation by the law enforcement, tax investigators, and prosecutors. So mm -hmm. it's actually up to the government. The same thing applied to Commerce Bank uh, a few years ago. So it's really up to uh, authorities to take uh, action if such a thing as uh, investigation. Uh, makes it clear that uh, in Indian banks money is uh, uh, accepted, which is coming from sources of tax evaded money or even worse of right. money laundering. In fact, uh, let me get in. Uh, let me get in the politicians on the panel now. None of the banks agree to be part of this panel. They have all issued statements say that they are maintaining highest level of compliances, and the, uh, one of them has ordered a two-week uh, time-bound inquiry. But Nirej Kujral, if you can come in here on this, when we talk about being serious on cracking down on black money. At that point, m many had pointed when there was uh, this whole furor over money abroad that why aren't we looking at black money within India? And many pointed to the fact that the current political system is one of the biggest areas where black money circulates, especially during elections. In fact, I remember uh, Deputy Chief Minister Sukhbir Singh Badal uh, in an interview to me said, it's known that no politician can fight an election within the Election Commission limited guidelines. In that sense, unless you look at election funding, cracking down at, say, real estate, which is meant to be another area, are we just deluding ourselves over black money and trying to uh, trace the root of it? That's exactly the point, that where is this money coming from? W what is the root of this money? And basically it stems from the fact that politicians and bureaucrats have so much discretionary powers which they misuse. And with that, 
whether it is conversion of agriculture land into industrial land or residential land or commercial land or buying arms or as we saw in the 2G scam or the coal scam or the CWG scam it stems from the fact that they have so much discretionary power which they misuse and then this money finds this dirty money finds its way into politics and that is why elections have become so expensive we have seen cases where in the south it was rumored that up to 20 crores was spent on Lok Sabha constituencies mm -hmm. we also saw cases where it was rumored that somebody had lost the election the media announced that the gentleman had lost the election and then mysteriously it was announced that he's won the election and it was rumored that upwards of 20 crores was spent this is what needs to be first checked how come the money is being generated so openly so, uh, Rajiv Chandrasekhar, if you can come in here, we know uh, Mr. Elmer pointed to uh, the example by the German government in ways that authorities actually carried out the sting operation. In a sense, uh, when it had come up so prominently in uh, Parliament, when Mr. Pranab Mukherjee's finance minister, the furor over the fact that even the list of 700 account holders apparently given to us have not been made public, apparently on grounds of uh, privacy and uh, legal requirements. Do you think when there's no name and shame uh, policy, do you think the fact that uh, when authorities themselves are not proactive in carrying out uh, stings or raids or whatever, it, uh, however you would term it, this is going to be the problem? So uh, you asked uh, Naresh a question about are we deluding ourselves and the answer is yes. I think uh, we all know there is, you know, hundreds of crores of rupees that are f floating around all over us. And if we believe that this money is being kept in rooms somewhere or in, you know, large number of briefcases and suitcases, we are deluding ourselves. These are in the, in the system. They are part of the banking system. They are part of the, um, you know, the stock market. And look, I think, you know, you asked a question early on saying, is this an open secret? Way back in 2001 and then 2005, 2006, the IB has said, that there is terror money and illegal monies involved in the Indian stock market. In 2010, the IMF said that the Indian stock market and indeed the Indian financial sector is vulnerable to money laundering. In 2012 in Parliament, the Home Minister said that, and he, he said in Parliament and, and indeed in Germany in an international conference, that there is a lot of terror money in the Indian stock market. Now what Cobra Post has now officially shown to us that this money is indeed not hiding in some suitcase and briefcase anyway. It is very much part of blue chip banks, allegedly, mm -hmm. uh, subject to you know uh, evidence and so on. It is part of the overall system. And, and the question you are asking is a relevant question. How is it if Cobra Post knows about it? How is it that the Financial Intelligence Unit doesn't know about it? How is it that all of these agencies that are supposed to surveil the stock market and the banking sector are not aware of it? So it, I think that's the question. Yeah, in fact, let me, let me get in Abhay Aima uh, from Mumbai there on that take. The point really of, again, as you said, uh, terror money, money circulating to stock markets, the fact that it's within the system. Ironically, we saw that banking stocks which fell initially after this investigation actually closed up at the end of the day. So in a sense, this is water off a duck's back. We all know black money exists. We all know it's in the system. Uh, apart from some no uh, noise, depending on which parties in government or in opposition, it will continue like this. Is that the cynical view on the markets? No, I don't think it is a cynical view. I think after seeing what exactly was there, uh, the market realized that, uh, you know, this was more to do with the uh, 
sensationalism than to do with the actual. Because if you were to look at these uh, things in detail, I don't think one, uh, whoever did this uh, operation, one trade was actually carried to its logical conclusion. It is very different from, you know, people sitting at a level uh, in a branch saying something and does it actually happen. To the best of my knowledge, all the banks that you have named in terms of KYC, in terms of the uh, regulations by the uh, RBI are very stringent. You try opening a, uh, yourself try opening a bank account without any KYC and see where you go. In fact, that is the normal complaint from customers that the KYC regulations have become too strict. Mm -hmm. And same is the case with money laundering. There are reports that come out from time to time which are suspicious transactions. There is a unit that follows in practically every bank, the RBI follows it. So, which is not to deny the fact that, you know, there is, you know, the system is totally uh, clean. But there are things like, for example, if one also look at logically, if there are investment products which go over 7 to 10 years, it's a good place to uh, convert no, your uh, black money to white because... But Mr. Uh, I, might just like, I, I take your point, you're saying, because this was an imaginary uh, transaction in a sense that no actual crime in that uh, took place, but the fact the scale of it, uh, if Cobra uh, Post uh, have said they're ready to offer the tapes for investigation, the scale of it over six months, and I'd just like to play uh, some of the actual excerpts of what was said, so it's not really just about imaginary talks or somebody uh, bravado uh, as it were, let's just look at what they actually said. <laughs> Sunil Alag, if you would come in on this point, these are conversations with junior officials and they are probably going to get the sack for being uh, caught on camera saying something like this. But the point Rudolf Elmer made, uh, the point some of our other panelists have made, uh, contrary to Abhay Aima, is top officials must know. We talk about KYC forms, strict compliance, but can this happen over banks? As I said, they've shown a one and a half hour uh, footage of banks across the country all saying virtually the same thing and offering various options. You know, I think uh, to say that the senior people in the banks know, uh, I think it's totally wrong. I mean, I'm going to say that straight away because... This is not like a news of the world no, operation where you keep let's uh, take, the top safe. Let's uh -huh. take when I, was, when I was there in Britannia and we said, you will not sell any product which goes beyond the expiry date. Now, if there's a salesman or a distributor who get together and say, look, I don't want to send the stock back. I don't want to get a bad name. My bonus is at stake. So he sells it off. And to say that the whole board knew and this is a policy that the board is following is wrong. Okay, so you've got some managers. Yeah. And I'll give you an example of, and I'll quote HDFC Bank, a colleague of mine went to deposit 5 lakhs and mm -hmm. white money uh, in cash to his father's account. And that bank manager, which is in Delhi, somewhere in, I think, New Friends Colony or something, said no. Please call your father because unless he's present, I will not even put it into his account. Mm -hmm. So you have enough managers who are following the rules and you've got some who are not. 
And I think the point that was raised by my colleague here, who said that, look, if you give them targets, how many new banks have accounts have you opened? Your bonus depends on this. And I think what is coming through in all of this is they are talking about people who got small amounts of money. Generally speaking, they've talked about people below 10 lakhs, below 7 lakhs, what to do and how to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And then they've gone on to say, okay, if you've got 50 lakhs, then you'll have to open seven accounts. And therefore, each account has to be different. Now, this is the mind of the manager which is working, which is really violating. And we in India know how to violate all rules. And therefore, uh, to say that that is the banking system which is at fault, I, I would completely disagree. And I'd also like to ask that if somebody had walked in and said, I'm a, I'm a shopkeeper and I've got this kind of money, instead of saying I'm representing a politician, I don't know what kind of an answer so the, the bank manager may have. I don't know. Scared. I'm just trying to say because. You see, the attitude of the people when I go out, and I'm not representing Fiki here today, so uh -huh. I want to clarify it's my views. Okay. Uh, you, you go out and you ask people, and why aren't people paying taxes? Why are there only 40,000 people who pay over one crore, which Chidambaram came up with? Because everyone says, you know, after that, if everyone is making money in the political system, why should I pay taxes? That's where you get the black money in, really. So in you have to really look at the systemic faults. In, in fact, Mr. Singh, just about the systemic faults, we've got uh, people writing in S. Tyagarajan asking, was RBI remiss in its oversight of banks? Others asking, should the head of these banks that help in black money stashing be actually probed? Does, where does accountability actually stop? Another person asks, aren't the small fishes stung while the big fishes are safe? And if the government is not passing a law to expose Swiss account holders, how do we expect to clean up our system? Many questions, but I think the larger point being made, that in a sense, if our authorities, our regulatory system is not functioning, where do we talk about surcharge and getting the money to bridge the fiscal deficit? Where is this revenue meant to come from? It's the salaried class who would say that we always get stuck and hear a so-called politician. It maybe have been a small businessman are the ones who get away. Uh, <clears throat> while answering that question, uh, let me tell you, while we are dealing with such matters like somebody trying to stash away his black money or trying to launder it in whatever way he can, these are only symptoms of a deeper malaise. Mm -hmm. The symptoms of a particular economy with a lot of black money. And how did this come about? This was the mindset which was set in the Indians from the days when we had 90% plus taxes. It is a system which continues now because, like he said, the common citizen says, why should I pay taxes? What is it being used for? How is it being um, I mean, wasted in various scams and whatnot? So he does not feel responsible or he does not want to give a share to the government. So that point so, about 42,800 yeah, so, no, having so over that, one crore see, tax. And then we have a large in section income, of so-called agricultures, rich agricultures, which are totally out of the uh, field of taxation. And then we have, of course, a large section which are below poverty line. So, no, but isn't it about, as Naresh uh, Gujral and I discussed, also about the political system? Currently exactly, I was elections. coming to that. Yes. You see, I've been a number of times as an election observer, mm -hmm. expenditure observer, in various uh, state governments and parliamentary elections, and I find that it is almost impossible to come to know about how much they're spending. So much money is being spent. What the election commission puts as the limit for spending is a joke. It is like 10 times more than that what is spent. And people are actually buying votes these days. I mean, some places, 10 to 15,000 rupees of vote is being bought at various places. Mm -hmm. And this is the way the Indian government, I mean, the Indian election is worked. The election commission is not at fault. But how much can they monitor? How much can they do? It is the whole system which requires to be changed from the top. The elections, the political system has to come in. 
In fact, but let me uh, let me bring in Rudolf Elmer here because you pointed to uh, efforts of uh, countries like the United States, like Germany as well. But many would say that the reason why there hasn't been political outrage here beyond uh, debates in Parliament has been because this hasn't struck a chord with the Indian voter. At the point Mr. B M Singh made, there's so much tax evasion because they don't feel a responsibility to being part of say nation building. There's a sense of cynicism about it. What do you think is at the root of the problem here? You see. Open flouting of rules, whether it's in uh, Swiss banks abroad, how Indian investors are allowed, in a sense, to stash away their money. What do you think is the cause of this? Uh, yeah, I believe the the cause of it is just uh, cheating society. Actually, they are just trying to uh, make as much money as possible, and the the reason why that's possible is because the government actually doesn't enforce the law. Uh, that's that's one of the the, the key issues. If uh, government would enforce the law, then, uh, for instance, that uh, these uh, criminals would have to go to prison. Or, as I said, as it's happening now in Germany, that uh, huge uh, house searches are pro uh, performed by investigators with, let's say, 500 investigators mm -hmm. running into uh, the German bank. Uh, uh, Deutsche Bank. I mean, this is a key bank in in, in Germany, and uh, the the government actually enforces uh, exactly so uh, now the law, and that makes a difference. One of the biggest uh, banks with the reputation, uh, Deutsche Bank, was also uh, raided in that sense. But Rudolf Elmer, you had said last year that you knew names of film actors, uh, businessmen, other prominent people. I think, including politicians, Indians who had got. Uh, money illegally stashed in Swiss banks, but you said you didn't want to name them. It was the job of the government. The government hasn't even named the 700 account holders, uh, the list which they got. Do you think the Indian government is serious in that sense about tracking down these names? Are they easily available? They've said that this is uh, because they're bound by a bilateral <sighs> treaty. Do you, would you believe that or do you think that they could actually get those names if they really wanted because they're more than 700? Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure that they are more than 700, and I do believe uh, they should be named, uh, as particularly the big ones who uh, uh, evaded uh, huge sums, but mm -hmm. I don't believe that the Indian government or uh, any government actually is, 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 is very reluctant to uh, uh, give these names out to the public. I mean, we had this issue in Greece, where a Greece... Uh, a Greek uh, uh, journalist uh, mm -hmm. uh, published a list of 2,000 uh, Greek tax evaders, uh, which uh, that's the list which he had received mm -hmm. from Lagarde, the, 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 yes. the IMF yes. president, and uh, he actually published it. The government wouldn't have published it at all. So uh, it's a general problem that it's not going to be published to. So it's the pressure which the comes from outside doesn't sources. Learn about who are the criminals. It's a pressure from governments. And Anish Kujral, uh, the point I raised earlier about almost a political conspiracy of silence, because I remember when uh, at that time Mr. Advani had asked all NDA MPs or BGP MPs to sign declarations that there are no accounts abroad. Others said, will they sign the form saying that they have no black money in India? That is almost a political conspiracy of silence, whichever government is in power. But in any case, that is hypocrisy. We all give an affidavit after fighting an election that we've spent within the, the, the norms set by the election commission. Mm -hmm. Do you think those are correct affidavits? So if, if, if an MP gives another affidavit that he has no money abroad, it, mean, it is meaningless. This is only a, a, a political charade. So the main thing is, are we serious about curbing black money through politics?
Mm-hmm. And I think the onus there lies on the government. If the government of the day is so corrupt, as we all believe it is, then why blame the opposition? Well, uh, Mr. Chandrasekhar, uh, come in there. As I said, no representative of the government uh, to combat that allegation. But come in here another point. Many have also pointed to businessmen and saying, why do so many businessmen gravitate to Rajya Sabha seats, gravitate to politics now? Also because it's seen that politics is now a place where you can safeguard, uh, you can get clout and safeguard money. What would you say to that? Because this is a question asked uh, of businessmen in politics many times. And, you know, I think it may be true and it may not be true. I, I don't think the businessmen are the only one in, uh, in Parliament who are uh, safeguarding their wealth or their assets. But, you know, I just want to go back to the point. I think we are making this conversation too much about social transformation and people's habits and tax evasion and all mm-hmm. that. Because I think that at the core of this is the enforcement of law. Mm-hmm. If you look at, um, if you look at uh, what happened in the U.S., and look, money laundering is one of the biggest menaces that you know, the global fight against terrorism has seen that it, should, it must handle. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the U.S., when HSBC and UBS were caught in money laundering, and of course they said it was junior level of officials and all of that, they were fined more than a billion dollars, and they, their banking licenses were threatened to be cancelled. Mm-hmm. You know, so we can't let this argument drift off into an argument about people's cultural uh, habits of tax evasion. This is a fundamental issue about whether the banking system and the financial system is being misused to launder money. And money laundering is a serious threat. Let to, me get Mr. B.S. Singh to react to you because I think he made that point about uh, the cultural uh, transition really as it were. Mr. Singh, the failure lies squarely at our regulatory authorities, at our tax authorities. I think that's basically what Rajiv Chandrasekhar is saying. What's the RBI doing? What is uh, tax? Uh, what are tax uh, authorities doing? What is CBI doing if it comes to this? Oh, but we are doing. No, I'm talking things, about the financial know. intelligence unit, for example. I think there is a no. financial intelligence unit that is about. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, sorry, uh, what we have in place, as you may know, is a set of uh, regulations, which in which authorize or to make it mandatory for all such organizations where say property transactions are there, where deposits are made, where certain expenditure or a certain limit is made (coughs) to send information to our department which is collated and sent off to the concerned department uh, officer and used for audit purposes when required. Only thing, like you mentioned, Form 60, a lot of them are filing Form 60 saying that we don't have a permanent account number. So what the FM has done this time is that as far as the property over a particular amount is concerned, he says, I will levy a 1% um, TDS, surcharge TDS, which has its own practical problems. But what that means is that once a surcharge like that or a TDS is levied, he has to have a permanent account number. But what? how can, sir, the point, how can only 42,800 people in India have an income of over 1 crore? That figure itself seems laughable. Uh, I'll just like, get Abhay Aima, do, when you come in on that, does that seem laughable? Yeah, it does. And it raises questions like, uh, which are politically sensitive as to why a farmer who earns over 30 lakhs or even 20 lakhs Absolutely. per annum is considered a poor farmer, why is he not taxed? But he's not a tax evader. So let's, leaving aside even that policy, leaving aside the farmers who are out of the loop, exporters or whatever the other ones left uh, out, yeah, but even those are the loopholes that you leave, those are, no, those are loopholes that you leave for generating black money. No, but where does the cash transaction stay? There's a very simple solution to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do, 
implement Aadhaar on a war footing, it will be the best investment any government would have ever done. The returns on that will be five times or maybe fifty times than what you spend on it. If yeah. if every political setup and the system wants to change it, if you look at Aadhaar with biometrics, all that you are talking of today, eighty percent of it disappears. So no. I see no reason why everyone should drop. Everything and concentrate on that, and if you really have the will to do it, but that will include a lot of people who don't want to be included. I think that's really the point. If we have the will to do it, we can crack down in many other ways. No, I think for if for every transaction like the government has introduced one percent TDS on all all property, and if you want to reclaim that one percent, you have to file a tax return, mm -hmm. and otherwise you and one percent is huge on property transactions. So in the same way, if you introduce five percent TDS on all transactions that take place through a bank. Automatically, at least the government is going to get five percent. If you want no, that five percent back, but the bank is evading current rules. So no, the no, bank no, I know, but I'm saying rules. that on every transaction, you have to put five percent. They cannot evade the fact that you have to deduct TDS. What you are, what are the banks doing? If if they are right, is that I'm not looking at whether there's a PAN card or not. I'm seeing that if up to fifty thousand rupees, so please deposit only forty nine thousand, and I'll take thirty days for you. Forty-nine thousand mm -hmm. multiplied by thirty days, so they are going around minor rules. But all this will finally end up with small sums of money. I'm just talking about. Look at what UK has done. UK has said is if you are a, if you are not a citizen who is resident mm -hmm. and you don't have to pay taxes, I will still charge you thirty thousand pounds a year for staying in England. Now, if we take ten thousand rupees from even thirty percent of our population, say ten thousand rupees a year, you get three thousand crores. Just tell everybody every year you have to file a return and pay ten thousand bucks, and we don't have to in, in look at you, and that becomes three thousand crores. Finally, but, you know there are minor things which the government can do and stop all this. No, uh, the minor things still evade. As I said, uh, final words, uh, Nareesh Gujral, uh, Rajiv Chandrasekhar, uh, Rajiv, first with you. Are we evading the big fish? Is that really the problem here? Yeah, we're not looking we at the elephant in the room, but we're going after the tinkering, the nuts and bolts, etc. Oh, I agree. Absolutely. I completely agree. I, I think the issue is that the banking system in India must be credible, must be rock solid. There must not be even an iota of suspicion about how they handle what they handle. They are the cornerstone of our financial system, and if there is even an iota of doubt yeah. or culpability anywhere in that system, they must be held to account. I completely disagree that if there is a if that this is something that is isolated and is restricted to some low-level manager. a low level manager in a bank functions as a result of a corporate culture mm -hmm. so there is no way that we can allow this to be just brushed aside or brushed under the carpet as some cultural issue or some you know indian heritage issue this has to be looked into they have to be held accountable and right. if they are innocent they should be let go but otherwise banks must be held to the gold standard of operating under the laws of india Absolutely. and as i said these are three of the biggest names so it's in their interest to clear themselves and it Absolutely. would be perhaps unfair just some junior officials are targeted and the real questions are not answered as i said all three banks said they will have inquiries so let's wait and see the results but thank you all very much for joining me tonight black money i think we'll be debating thank this you. in years to come until this political will the election system of funding doesn't change nothing else is likely to change in this let's just move to our other news stories and of course uh, the tragic voices today of crpf jawans grieving the loss of their comrades spoke out today on why the jammu and kashmir chief minister didn't bother to come to a reethling ceremony in shinagar in their memories they said we feel orphaned why is it that we are armed with lathis to fight terror <laughs> इस देश के लिए मरते हैं सर 
लेकिन हमारी जान की कोई कीमत नहीं है कम से कम मुख्यमंत्री महोदय को तो आना था हमको देखिए इस कुर्सी में कोई जान नहीं अध्यक्ष जी जिस समय आज सुबह आप श्रद्धांजलि दिलवा रही थी उस समय एक बहुत कष्टदायक दृश्य सत्ता पक्ष की तरफ से देखने को मिला पूरी की पूरी प्रथम पंक्ति खाली थी देश के गृह मंत्री जो नेता सदन भी हैं वो भी गायब थे But as the political debate continued for the families of the five men killed, this is of little importance. What matters is that their sons, husbands, brothers will never return. We salute the men who died. Moving now live to the big international story and that of course is the new head of the Roman Catholic Church Pope Francis Nupurtiwari has been covering that also the first gush of uh, white smoke early this morning Nupurtiwari it's over to you for more for the excitement and of course for Indian Catholics as well who are there with you Absolutely Sonia I'm here with two Indians who were there uh, in the square uh, with me of course uh, both of us uh, father uh, Theodore and I were standing together but then we lost each other because that big wave came and uh, pushed you closer to the balcony didn't it uh, That's true it was a very enthusiastic wave and I didn't know what to do I was just moving with the crowd Exactly we'll we'll uh, chat a little bit more about that uh, in a bit but before that uh, if you can hear the chanting behind me Sonia uh, this is really the first mass that uh, the Pope is doing uh, in fact all the college of cardinals is present over there except that they were 115 but they're only 114 today because 115th is now the pope now many of us don't really know who this pope was let's take a look now uh, at who he is what he stands for what he has been doing so far in argentina A new pope on the very second day of the papal conclave. 76-year-old Jorge Mario Bergoglio of Argentina will be known as Pope Francis I, the first non-European pontiff in nearly 1300 years. He made another kind of history by asking the crowd to pray for him rather than bless them first. He also refused to use a platform to elevate himself above the cardinals. We've just seen the white smoke go up over there which means a pope has been elected and all around the way you can see people rushing uh, closer to the St Peter's Basilica the smoke has just started coming out
i miei fratelli cardinali sono andati a prenderlo quasi alla fine del mondo. Vatican watchers describe the new pope as a simple man with a complicated past. A soccer fan who gave up a palace for a small apartment, he prefers public buses and cooks his own meals. In 2001, he washed and kissed the feet of an AIDS patient and last year he tore into priests in Buenos Aires who refused to baptize the children of unwed mothers. But Pope Francis has had his share of controversy. He was accused of collaborating with the brutal military dictatorship in Argentina 35 years ago, when as many as 30,000 people were tortured or killed. Bagoglio was accused of hiding political prisoners in his holiday home on an island called El Silencio, but he's always denied the charge and was cleared. Despite the controversies, Bagoglio received the second highest number of votes after Joseph Ratzinger in the 2005 papal election. For millions of Catholics, though, it's the era of the people's vote. The Pope may not be from Asia, uh, but that is not preventing these Indians from celebrating the election of the new Pope. How come you, you are celebrating so much for a South American Pope? He's the Pope. He's a South American by birth, but he's the Pope, Pope of the whole church and Pope of the whole world. So we couldn't be happier today. I'm so happy that my name is Francis. So there you are, celebrations here in St. Peter's Square, even these kids uh, taking the name of the new Argentinian Pope, certainly a choice made by the Cardinal College is perhaps going to make many people happy, an exceptional choice, somebody coming uh, from South America, very first for the church, perhaps uh, a sort of indication that the Roman Catholic Church does want to do things differently. In Vatican City, Nupur Tiwari for NDTV. So that was the celebration last night. Uh, of course, St. Peter's Square is now uh, looking very bright with the sun shining down, but yesterday it was pouring with rain, and now the uh, chanting that is going on behind us is actually coming from the Sistine Chapel, uh, which is where the Pope is holding his first Mass, right, Father? Yeah, according to the tradition, the Pope has his first Mass only with the cardinal electors. Five of the Indian electors who were there are in with the Holy Father there. And he's celebrating his whole first mass with these electors. These Indian cardinals actually also had dinner with him last night. Uh, they had dinner with him last night. Some of them had. The Pope has decided in all his simplicity to remain with the cardinals. He has his lunch and dinner with them in the hotel in which they were uh, being kept these days. And in so the Indian connection in the sense with the church, because where we are standing right now really, uh, look at the history of this place, you know, the history of the Pope goes back to nearly uh, 2,000 years. Uh, what about the Indian connection? If you look at the history of the Vatican, perhaps it's only recent, the connection that Indian cardinals have, uh, but then it's not all that recent, is it? No, it's not all that recent, considering that the first Indian bishop was appointed only in 1884 or something. Uh, the first Indian cardinal to vote was uh, Cardinal Valerian Gracious, who incidentally comes from the same place as me, uh, from Goa. And uh, in fact, uh, he was the first one to vote in 1958. He again voted, that was for Pius XII, 
Then again, he voted in 1963 to elect Paul VI. Uh, there are three cardinals who then voted uh, for uh, John Paul II and uh, later on for Benedict. Basically, this time, uh, five cardinals is, the, is a record is of sorts time, yes. over here. Okay, uh, we spoke to uh, two of these cardinals. I mean, we've spoken to uh, all of them, of course, but uh, let me uh, tell you that the two cardinals that we spoke to today, uh, they were there during the voting also. They're here right now as well in the Sistine Chapel along with the new Pope. And this is what they told us earlier today. When I went up to him, uh, I asked him, I said, uh, Holy Father, bless India, bless Asia, and keep us in your prayers. And I told him I was so impressed by the name you've taken, he's, he's taking them Francis, that for me it was very important and it sent a message of, uh, of your pontificate, simplicity, care for the poor. And uh, he's, he was uh, touched. He told me, uh, I want to give very warm greetings to India, great greetings to India, warm embrace to India. And then, uh, and then I said, thank you very much. And I was moving on again. He says, um, Cardinal, uh, pray for me. Tell the people to pray for me. I need prayers. This was like his parting words as I was. And I, I could see it was not just a formality. I could see it was really, he really meant it. It was warm. Uh, I almost felt that he has a particular care and concern for India because India, Asia is looked up to and, and I said India is respected and I, and I think it, it has made an impression on the Holy Father. Uh, I'm sure that this is uh, much in his mind and in his heart. So that was Cardinal Gracious uh, who was talking uh, about, he actually, Cardinal Gracious walked up to the Pope and had a long chat with him and that was what he was explaining to us uh, right now. You saw him there. I also asked him what the view was like from those balconies because in fact uh, on the side balconies you have the center balcony where the Pope comes out and talks to the people and on the balconies on the side you have all the cardinals come up. Uh, so I asked Cardinal Gracious what the view was like when he looked on to that uh, huge sea of humanity that was looking on and he said uh, that he was really happy to see one uh, big Indian flag being uh, waved on St. Peter's Square and uh, we happened to be with the person who was uh, waving that flag. Uh, show us that flag that you were waving right there. It was a great joy for me to wave the Tiranga right here in the heart of the Catholic Church in Vatican and uh, because for us Christians for God and country is a very strong motto we live by. Our faith teaches us to love and serve our country. So the Tiranga close to the heart and close to our faith. You were also saying that uh, perhaps this Pope is going to do uh, a lot about bringing faiths together. Yes, I think so because I am fascinated by the name Francis that he has chosen. Francis of Assisi was a fascinating figure in the, in the history of the church. He was he's still today known as the man of peace. His most famous prayer which incidentally Mother Teresa... Also the church is also facing a lot of, uh, you know, there's a crisis because the Muslim world and okay. uh, secularism, right. all of that are seen as uh, threats in a way to the church. That's right. This famous uh, talk about the clash of civilizations, I think Francis would embody the alliance of civilizations for peace and progress because he, during the, the height of the Fifth Crusade, he marched, went to meet the uh, Muslim caliph uh, Al-Malik Al-Kamil and uh, preached to him and spoke with him for the for the sake of peace and uh, and um, stopping of the bloodshed. Uh, he was a man of peace. Do you believe that uh, the new pope is also going to be uh, taking sort of that thing? One of the things that he will certainly imitate in the in the in his patent that he has chosen is his push for peace as a man of peace. 
So there, there are. You, I'm here with these two Indians. There were a lot of other Indians also on that square that night. Uh, we'll leave you now, and uh, we'll continue to listen uh, to the mass and follow in looking out for the Indian cardinals there. Back Thanks, to you, Sonia. Thanks, uh, Wonderful to see the Tiranga at St. Peter's Square. Thanks so much uh, for your live report uh, from uh, the Vatican City. Thank you. We'll take a quick break now. Back for lots more. And finally, another four par from Home Minister Sushil Kumar Shinde as he was speaking on the death of five CRPF Jawans in Parliament. By mistake, he read the same statement twice, prompting the opposition to speak out in outrage. We leave you with that. Thanks for watching. Although the responsibility for the incidents was owned by an agent of Jubal Mujahideen, the authenticity of the claim are yet to be ascertained. The, there was a terrorist attack. The security situation in Jammu Kashmir has been affected by.